Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Lovely to be with you this morning. Greetings from uh, Birmingham, church in Birmingham, our church, Gateway Life Centre. They're doing their thing this morning, so uh, release me to come and be with you. Bless the Lord, come to share God's word. It's a wonderful feeling to uh, be with the people of God. It's a lovely feeling. Um, Sometimes you can feel that you're on your own, you're isolated, but I thank God for your pastor, Pastor Carol, uh, they've been so welcoming and uh, really, we've really, since we've really got to know each other, we've really got on. I think that's really important. <laughs> Sometimes you can do the old, the pastor thing, can't you? Uh, so much of it just very formal, but it's good when people actually can relate with each other in a very real way. I think God, God is doing something tremendous in our nation. And we have to be, uh, at this time, really let down our guards a bit with each other and be prepared to allow God to do what he needs to do at this stage of the journey. We haven't, you know, like Paul said, we haven't completed the race, but we press towards the mark of the high calling. And I think this is the season where we need to really press to push into the fullness of the high calling. One preacher said we have to press towards the mark, not the high calling only, but the mark. There's a mark that we must press towards. So I'm really thanking God that for the alliance that is, is, a, is forming amongst us. Um, and I'm hoping that probably you can come up to Birmingham or Birmingham, we can come down to you and we have some fellowship. You know, probably go out to a meal. I don't know how... <laughs> A restaurant could hold us, but uh, who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, it's a lovely. I really feel God is is doing something tremendous in our nation. Um, I'm so excited when I when I look around of the the types of people that God is bringing together. Um, people of all different nations, all different skill sets, all different nationalities. Um, it's really an exciting time in God and. Uh, as I was praying and thinking about you guys in Manchester, I feel really God is, is getting you set to do something tremendous in your city, something tremendous in your nation, and you've got to believe it. When God is speaking, God was speaking to us this morning through the worship. Well, how many of you really embraced what God was saying? That is the key. You know, we, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Seeing is not believing. Believing produces the seeing. Thomas, when Jesus was crucified, he could not get his head around it. He looked at it because like, is this the Jesus? Is this the Jesus that I walked with all this time? And Jesus had to show him the nail prints in his hand before he would truly believe. And for some of us, we need to really see the nail prints, don't we? We want to see it all sorted out. But God is looking for believers. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It provides the evidence. It provides the evidence of the unseen. And so we really need to believe in God. Now, those who come to God must first, what? Believe. So God is looking for believers. Believers in his word. Are you believers this morning? Hallelujah. I'm glad I'm in the right place. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to First Kings. 
First Kings chapter eight. I know some of you looking at how old is he? Twenty one. I'm not. <laughs> it's a question I'll, uh, I'll just share. I went out. Um, it was about two years ago. I went out to a Christmas meal with at my. Uh, I, I work in computers for the council, Sandwell Council in Birmingham, and uh, we went out to a Christmas meal. All all of us as guys and stuff like that, and uh, we went down to this restaurant. It had a bar there, and they had a security guard on, on at the door as they do at Christmas time. Uh, let all my friends in and stuff like that, all my work colleagues in. Stop me at the door. There was like, nobody over 25 is allowed to come in tonight. I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I probably was older, older than the guy at the door. But um, thank God for his grace. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, wow, praise God, you know. 46. And, I got it, and he was trying to stop me at the door at 25. I was just like, I'm blessed. Blessed. <laughs> I said, I'm not coming in. Okay, I'll do, I'll do what you want. Praise God. No, First Kings chapter 8. <clears throat> now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Ju- Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is in Zion. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethnim, which is in the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. And then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishing that, were in the, that was in the tabernacle. The priest and the Levites, Levites brought them up, and also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel, who were assembled with him, were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen, that they could not count, be counted, count the number for the multitude. And the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to the place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary. But they could not be seen from the outside, and they are there to this day. Hallelujah. I'm going to stop there. Solomon was known for his wisdom, not just his knowledge, but his wisdom. The son of David. His father was a a mighty man of valor. God took him from a place of humble beginnings. He used to look after the sheep. For many of us, God is is taking us from very humble beginnings like David. David. Some of us, we probably didn't grow up, grow in church. We came to know God probably later on in life. For some of us, like myself, I, 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 I was born in church, I think. Um, my parents are, are Christians. My dad, we came from a, 
the background. We came from uh, uh, the Baptist uh, church, traditional Baptist church. So I grew, grew up in the Baptist church. And when you're growing up in, in church, there's a lot of things you probably don't see. You don't experience. Life can take, be very uh, sheltered, so to speak. I know how many, how many of you grew up in church? I don't know. Church folk, okay. And when you grow up in church, things can be very sheltered. You don't see a lot of the worlds. I was, it was as though in my world that I was in, everybody, it seemed as though everybody went to church. It was, I just thought it was, you know, everybody kind of attended church. But as you go through school and you grow up, you realize that a lot of people have not had any type of church background at all. And so when we come, when, when, when the Spirit of the Lord begins to speak to us in this, in this age, we have to understand that when we talk, when, when God asks us to build a house, when God was saying to Solomon, I want you to build me a house, everybody's interpretation can be somewhat different. Because depending on where you're coming from, your interpretation of what God is saying is different. If I say the house of the Lord, everybody sees it very differently. For some of us, we think, house of the Lord, what does that mean? Isn't this the house of the Lord, the church, the building? For some of us, we have the understanding of Scripture, and we know what the house of the Lord is. For some of us, we're very spiritual, we know our bodies are the temple of the living God. And so, when we come together, when God speaks, everybody is hearing it in a different way. So I'm growing up through church. I'm, I'm coming up and I'm hearing all these terminologies. And I'm thinking everybody knows it. Everybody understands. You come through the ranks, you know, I, I became a minister and so forth. I remember when I'm, the first time I ever pre, uh, uh, was asked to preach in my church, it was a traditional Baptist church. And they said, you know, I was only a teenager then. And uh, they asked me to preach in a youth service. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't angle this. You know, I'm used to just getting on with what I'm doing. I was at that time, I was teaching in Sunday school and I was in charge of the young people. And But God saw it fit that he wanted me to preach for some reason. You know, there are some young people. And we're not to despise young people and youth. Because it, wasn't, it was at a tender age of about 16, God really called me into the ministry. And I, I, I couldn't recognize it, but somebody had to speak into my life and show me and say, this is what God is saying. This is what God is trying to say in a very practical way to you. And for some of us, some of our young people, God is calling them. And sometimes we, we do that as, as I look, oh, not yet. Oh, no, you're not ready. You need to go through the, the five courses or the five steps. But sometimes the, the finger of God is on their life. And we need us as adults or, or people who are, are really maturing God to be able to Give clarity. You know, when, when um, Samuel was growing up and God began to speak into his life, he didn't have anybody who, straight away that, that, that could actually give clarity to what God was saying to him. And for many of us, God is speaking to us today. But we need some more clarity. Thank God that you've got a, pastor, you've got a pastoral team here that give you clarity. I was looking at some of the material that you have in this church. And the clarity... That's in those books. I mean, I hope you all read them. 
I know, I know what it's like in churches. You, you know, you think as pastor, everybody reads your material, but not everybody's reading it. But I hope you are taking advantage because this guy is incredible, incredible revelator. I hope you know who you have in your church. You say, yeah. You should say, yes. You should be throwing the Bibles up and down. I'm telling you, there, there are not many pastors like this guy and, and, and Carol as well. There's not many in our country. But thank God, God is raising up powerful men and powerful women amongst us to lead us and we really need to celebrate them you know i I, i'm so thankful to god that uh, pastor tony and carol are in my life at this time because you know sometimes you it's hard to find i'll be honest true men and women of god it's very hard to find a lot of people oh i don't know what they're doing (laughs) but you know I've, i've been around a long time i've been safe about 30 30 odd years and I've seen, a, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of things. But thank God, God is raising up true, true people who've got the heart of God, the heart of God. They're not trying to get money. They're not trying to get fame or notoriety. It's a hard, it's a hard work being a, a minister of God. It's a hard work. It's hard work just being a Christian these days. But thank God for you all, you know, stay in the faith. Keep going because God is about to turn. We're about to turn a road, turn a corner, basically. And I hope, I know you're ready. God is preparing you. And this is, you know, some of this message is really prophetic what God is trying to say to you guys this morning. So I really hope you take it on board because God is about to shift this church like you've never seen it before. Anytime God gets ready to do something powerful, he looks for people. Yeah. Not for more programs, not for more money, but he looks for people. Here God began to, and to work with Solomon. And he said to Solomon, assemble the elders of Israel and the heads of the tribe. Assemble the elders of Israel and the heads of the tribe. Who are the elders? It's not because you're older that it makes you an elder. I hope you you understand that. I used to think that. Until somebody tried to put that title on me as elder when I was about 20. And I, I kind of did a run. <laughs> I was like, no way. Because I thought it was being elder. I said, I'm only 20. I'm not going to be an elder. But here the Bible says, assemble the elders of Israel. When God wants to move, when God wants to make a shift in, our, in your nation, when God wants to make a shift in a church, he says, assemble the elders. Therefore, these people... This division of people must know who they are. When God begins to put his hand upon a church, when God begins to put his hand upon a group of people, he moves in rank order sometimes. Most of the time he moves in rank order. And God was saying here, assemble the elders, those men, those women that have the spirit of God in them, that I've I've begun to work in from a very foundational point, and I've begun to build the truths of my word into them. Assemble those people. I wonder who are the elders in this church. I probably might know, but I wonder if you know who are the elders of your church. I wonder if you can uh, identify them in the spirit realm. I wonder if you can identify them in the natural realm. Because if we're going to move into the next level and the next phase of what God is saying to us, we need to understand who those men and women are, who the spirit of God has been working in to begin to move things forward. Mm. Some of you are like looking like you're not sure. 
Do you know who the elders are in, your, in this church here? Do you recognize them for the hand of God that is working upon their lives? Or do you recognize, or do you find fault in them and say, well, you can't do this. Or you don't do this right. Or you're making that mistake there. But we need to respect the grace of God that is on these people's lives. You see, what, what I found out is that none of us are perfect. I've, just, I've had to find this out the hard way. When I was growing up in church, I thought the pastor was always perfect. He made no mistakes. He didn't say anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. But as I began to grow, I began to find he's not perfect. He does make mistakes. My gosh, they do have a falling out between husband and wife sometimes. But he didn't realize that. But it's all right falling out. But can you fall back in? There's a difference. A lot of people are good at falling out, but they can't fall back in. When God's hand is upon your life, God is going to begin to work in your life in such a way. It's almost as though he brings you to a point that to breaking point. That you feel like, how is my life going to be mended? How are things going to come together? How many of you feel that sometimes? When God begins to work in you, I always thought he's going to go up. Everything's going to get better. You're going to get more money, more notoriety, more of whatever, a better job. But when God begins to truly work in your life, he's going to break down all the structures of the world in you. I always thought, now be, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When God begins to, begins to take you into a place called transformation, everything in your life is going to feel like it's breaking down. That's the reality of it. And to be in leadership, to be, everybody wants to be an elder, everybody wants to be a deacon, everybody wants to be a pastor or evangelist or in the ministry. But he's going to put you through a process to break you down so he can build into you the dynamics of the spirit. Are you really convinced? Turn with me to Romans. I know you are. It says, I beseech you, Romans 1, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed. Sometimes when, we, when we're making the journey, to transformation when God begins, we allow the Spirit of God to begin to rule and to, to work in our life. We find out that we get to the understanding that I'm conforming to the images of the world. You don't realize it because you think you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're doing all the things that are right. You're coming to, to Bible study, you're coming to church on a Sunday and so forth. And you feel, I'm being transformed, everything's going all right. But the more God begins to speak into your life, you'll realize that there's a lot of conformity that is going on. One of the things in my church, we were studying about worship. And, you know, we take it for granted. Oh, I worship the Lord. Hallelujah. I worship the Lord. But when we began to look at the Bible, and it talks about the things that God is not, it's not pleasing to God when it, concerning worship, when we began to break it down and go through it, we realize there's a lot of conformity that is going on. And that's why sometimes when we come together, the Spirit of God can't move 
like he needs to move because there's too many things that are going on behind the surface, be in the background. Uh -huh. I'm going to get to it today. For instance, we looked at the thing called idol worship. Now, in this 21st century, look at idol worship. There's no such thing. Nobody worships idols. I'm going to show you one that will show the church. How many have got one of these? Oh. It's a mobile phone. It is. It's very useful. <coughs> but at some point, it can become an object of worship. If I leave this behind, it feels as though my life has come to an end or my notes are on there or whatever. For some of us, we have these objects that we are worshipping. So then we have to understand, what is worship? Because if it displeases God, if it becomes an abomination to the Lord, then we've really got to consider what it is and how it happens. And for many of us, all right, I always say many of us, and my wife always says, don't say many of us because you're accusing people. But for many of us in the broader church, then, whether we like it or not, we are worshipping things that really, when we come together, God says, I can't go any further with you because the people are worshipping other things other than me. And so what God will do, he won't take you any further. He's going to deal with the things that are happening behind the scene. You see, we, don't, we like to gloss over it, don't we? We think we can just worship it out or pray it out or prophesy it out, don't we? We're like, you know, praise the Lord, we're going to the nations of the earth and we're, we're doing all these things. But God wants to put his finger on things, some things today. God wants to put his finger on some things in our lives because he wants us to progress. He wants a relationship with us. He wants us to draw near to him. Draw near to me, the Bible says, and I will draw near to you. So we have to do the first part. We have to come near to God. And so we have to really be honest with ourselves. What are the idols that are in our hearts? What are the things we are worshipping? Are we worshipping the mobile phone or other material things? Some of us, we worship money and we don't even know it. We will do anything, won't we, for that job. We will work 24 hours. I mean, I'm, technically, I'm on call. I get messages throughout the day of certain batch files that are running because... Working, uh, when I work in computers, <coughs> we work in uh, a part called in the housing department and they're responsible for the revenue of the council and we have to have all these batch files running, transferring money and moving things and processes around. So all the time I'm getting all these messages coming on my phone and my mind can be in work mode all the time. If I let it. If I let it. But... I still have to have a responsibility to my job because that's what I'm getting paid for. That's what I do. But there's a fine line because it can almost come a thing of worship. Worship is when you give yourself to something that you consider that is higher than you. That's why the word pescunio is used in worship because it means to bow down, to come under. And so some of the times we're coming under, we're bowing down to certain systems that are in our life, certain things that are in our life. It seems as though they're more higher than the most high. 
That's why I, I, sometimes I look at the terminology in Scripture and he calls him, you know, God calls him the most high God. In other words, he doesn't mind things being high in our life or having importance. But he wants to know that I am the most high. I'm not getting to you this morning. I hope I am getting in there. I'm going to unlock that key this morning. Because I, I, I'm seeing, you know, God, when, I, when I was praying, I, I really believe God is going to unlock the miraculous in this church. You are going to see a flow of the spirit that is going to be so powerful. But God is looking for, <coughs> that's why I'm talking about the divisions and the leadership, because it must be in order for this flow to happen. When God works, he works in order. And so he has to have the, 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 the heads and the, the leaders in their place, operating in the right way. Not just to have a position for position's sake, but we must have people that can function in the house. And so, <coughs> we're seeing God is about to do something powerful, but here he's, he's setting things in order. So when it comes to worship, we all must understand then that worship is a very important part of our, our Christian life. But it's not just about singing. I say to my church, singing is the last expression of worship. When you look in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, when Abraham went to worship, he didn't go with, as, as Dr. Jonathan would say, with a guitar singing and making noise and so what we have done in the church now we've made worship something that you sing something that you play <laughs> when i was in, when i was a minister in my my old my other church and I, I was in i was the head of praise and worship praise and worship leader one one day i was just you know the lord spoke to me and i i, I was i was I used to be really passionate, I still am, but really passionate. And I said, we had a choir, we had great musicians. And I said to the leader of the praise that now, she, she became a person, I can say this, I hope it's not recorded. It seemed as though she was a person of untouchability. You know, some worship leaders in some church, not this church, but you can't touch them. They're untouchable. The day you say anything to the worship leader, oh my goodness, they're so, I don't know what it is about worship leaders. I'm not saying you are. <laughs> can't say anything to him but I dare to and everybody's like you wouldn't dare I said I would you don't know me I will when it comes to the word of God I will challenge and I said to her I said to this person I saw some things that were ha was happening around her life and I said that is not right nobody would dare because she sang like an angel she could lead the choir she knew she had an air for music Excellent, and she was a great person, great person. But I said, if you're leading people in worship and you're behaving like that on Tuesday and you're doing that on Thursday and then you come on a Sunday and do something totally different, something is wrong somewhere. You've not, you've not understood the process of what is going on. And I said to her, I think we need to take some time out. <laughs> Who told me to say that? <laughs> take some time out. And probably have some teaching or we can go through some things and let's work this thing out together. Well, who told me to say that? She blew up. She went off on one, on me. I'm this, and she's threatening all kinds of things. And how dare you, you can't do it. I'm going to go to pastor. I said, you can go to pastor all you like. And in the end, unfortunately, you know, she had to have time out. And everybody was like, oh, you're so, how, how could you? And what are we going to do now? I said, look, worship 
Anyone can do. I can pick someone out of the crowd who's living a life for God. They might have a croaky voice, but they can be trained to, to have a mediocre voice. And it's not about the singing, but it's about the lifestyle. And we must live lifestyles that are conducive to the word if we're going to be worshippers. It's not just about singing. It's not just about playing music. But we must have the lifestyle that goes with it. Not just, it's not just for the worship leader, but for every one of us. We're all called to worship God. God wants us all to be worshippers. But what he's saying is something far more deeper. He's saying that I want you to live a lifestyle that meets the criteria of the word. It's no use, you see, it's no use going, sometimes when we're, we're, we're faced with so many different challenges and so many people come to me and say, you know, I want to quit my job. You know, I can't do, I can't be a Christian there. I can't read my Bible at work. I said, you didn't go to work to read your Bible. You went to work to work. But God will use the processes at work to train your life that you know how to live a holy life in the midst of trouble. You know how to be a Daniel in the midst of a fire. And people don't, you know, they don't like me when I say all those things because they want to give them a solution. To say, oh yeah, quit your job, go, go. And find a job that is a Christian job and you can, you can live happily ever after. But God didn't call us to do that. He said, we're, not, we're, not, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so when God begins to train us to be true worshippers, he's going to put us in situations that are quite tensed quite fiery. We're going to meet people that don't get on with us. You know, I was in a job for seven years. And the first day I went to that job, I really disliked it. I've never been in a place that I've disliked so much. I mean, it was in an area called, that is known for witchcraft, for a start. And I went there, the first time I went there, there was one guy, because I used to be an electronics technician before that, that was one, and we used to have scalpels we used to cut wire and make uh, specific things for the military police and so forth. And we used to have these scalpel blades. And the first day I was sitting in my seat and he threw a scalpel blade at me. Just went right, right past me and stuck in the thing. And my friend, who, who kind of helped me get the job, he, I said to him, don't tell anybody I'm a Christian. Just, just let me just get on with it. And he goes, oh, you know, that Pete is a Christian, you know, so you've got to be careful the way you talk. They started swearing like you've never heard swearing before. I've never heard anything like this. They, they went off on one. And from that day, ev everybody started to rise up. There was one person they started to, they said, they took my name to a coven. And they said, they put my name in a, some kind of pot and stuff like that. And were calling my name. This is a, this is a normal workplace. I was like, what is going on, Lord? And I, I know this was happening because I remember one night I was in my bed. And it felt like something was trying to come in my room. I didn't have any of them mad experiences. I, like, I didn't believe it could happen. But it felt like someone was trying to come into my room. And the next day, I think it was the next day or next time I saw that person, short in, within that week, they came up to me and said, did, did you experience anything? And I, I, I've never experienced nothing like this before. And I was like, well, I didn't say it to them, but I said, you know what? I thought to myself, yeah, there was something happening that week. It felt as though someone was trying to do something to me. I, I know for some of us, we don't, we've never experienced this type of world, so we don't, know it's, we don't know if it's real or not. But it is real. Remember Saul with the witch, uh, the witch in, uh, in Endor? Called up Samuel. 
These things do happen. They're scriptural. And if we're really going to begin to move in the spirit, we're going to face these things. Oh, you don't believe me. You're looking at me. You're going to face these things. But God needs to train us. And that's why God is training us. Some of us is using our jobs. Some of us is using the church to train us. We're all in diff- we're all at different processes, but he's training us. For some of us, we're on the job right now. And we don't like the people that we're working with. But God is saying, stay there because I'm using that person to shape you. I'm using that person to transform you. You see, we love that scripture, don't we? Be ye transformed. Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed. And it sounds so spiritual. It sounds like we're just going to hover over from confirmation into transformation. And everything's going to be all right. But we don't know. There's a middle ground, what he will use, call your workplace or the gym or something or your next door neighbor or somebody who doesn't like you that he will use to bring transformation in your life. For some of us, we're in a church that is causing us to be transformed. Every time we come here, something rubs us up the wrong way. We can't walk through the door. There's trouble. You get them Christians. As soon as they walk through the church door, there's some kind of trouble. Something's not right. Someone's sitting in my seat. The music's too loud. Something is wrong somewhere. Nothing suits them. And the reason why? Because they're going through transformation. And sometimes we just gotta, we've got to just smile with people sometimes. and just say, I know where you're at. I understand. And for some of us, God is using the circumstances of our life to transform us, to bring us in to another level of living. So, he's creating a spirit of worship in us, true worship. It's all right to go through the process, but then are you going to worship him, the most high God? Are you going to realize at the end of your processing, at the end of the circumstances in your life, you're going to go to the place called transformation and begin to become a true worshiper of God? Go back to First uh, Kings. <coughs> Are you all right out there? Hope you're all right. Good. In verse one, it says, "And then the chief fathers of the children of Israel, and to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is in Zion." Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethnim, which is in the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came and the priest took up the ark. The Bible says here that all the men, the fathers of the children of Israel, took King Solomon that they might bring up the ark. And it says, therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon, all the men. Not just some of the men, but all of the men. God wants all of us, not just some of us, but all of us to take on a responsibility for worship and bring in the presence of God. One person doesn't make a house. When God created man, he created women to go alongside. For some of us, We don't even respect the gender, the opposite gender. We think, oh, it's only the men that can do stuff. But there's a miracle 
that has been happening in the church. I don't know if you know any, but God has engrafted women into the church to, to do stuff. And this is, this is one of the, 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 prof, the prophets spoke, and he says, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. And your handmaidens shall prophesy. God is raising up women to prophesy. It's not just about to speak. Thus say the Lord, God is... It's not just about speaking words, but becoming the word. God wants women to become, to become, to do stuff. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's a move of the spirit to empower women. I think there needs to be a move of the spirit to empower men because there's too many men that are just, are not, are not, I don't know, I, you know, I, I've been praying to the Lord. I've been saying, Lord, what is it about the men in the church these days? They just sit down, they, 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 they're comfortable. They come to church and they just sit down. There's not much. I'm talking about the younger men, you older men, respect, you know, you've done your. <laughs> but the younger men, it doesn't seem that they, they, they have the, the vigorousness, the, the tenacity to move things. But thank God for the men that God is putting into the church today that are wanting to do something for God. And God wants to empower both sexes together. Male and female. He says the men will prophesy and the women will prophesy as well. It's about time that women really become, came into their own in this season. Begin to speak the words of God and not just speak the words, but begin to see actions and begin to do things for God. It's a, ch a church that God is building. God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so God wants to build a prevailing church. A church that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Oh yeah, they will come against, but they will not overtake us. And so it takes a caliber of people to have a prevailing spirit. And so God is raising up a new generation of people that are able to prevail in this season. That will face challenges, but will overcome them. And so that's why he's training us wherever we are in our lives. God is training us because he wants you and I to become a prevailing people. What is a, a person that can prevail? A person that is able to go through things, go through troubles, go through any hurts. For some of us, we're so emotionally scarred. Things, people have hurt us in the past. Things have been done to us. And it's left a mark on our, on our soul. When I'm talking about your soul, I'm talking about your emotions, your mind, the way you are. And it's left such a mark on our soul that we can't get over it. You know, sometimes you can pray to your blue in the face. But if you don't deal with the issues in your life and have a word of God, a word that is in the scripture to make you go past that area and get over it. For many people, they, 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 they struggle with, you know, hurts that have happened to them when they were young. You know, I talk to so many people who uh, have been hurt when they were young. You know, we really need to, to promote um, uh, the attitude and the mentality that we need to train up our children in the way they should go. Take a more uh, a linear, a more a, a different look at parenting. Uh, talking about natural parenting and also spiritual parenting because... You know, to shout, uh, you know, I've seen so much abuse that has been going on in our, in our society. I, I've never seen anything like this before. So many children that are being abused. And it's not just about sexual abuse, but mentally abused. I was in the supermarket the other day and uh, a young mother, 
she had about a two-year-old child and she dragged that child into the car and was shouting at that child. I thought, is she talking to an adult or a child? And she was shouting and shouting and screaming. And I was wondering, what effect is she, how is she damaging that child emotionally? Because what will that child grow up? What, what pattern are we showing to children when we do that? And for some of us, we've probably been guilty of it. I've been guilty of shouting. But you know what? Sometimes you do have to repent as parents. You do have to go back, even go back to the child and say, you know what? I'm sorry for the way I was screaming and shouting. But I was upset too, perhaps. And really begin to undo what you've done. Because the Bible says, train up the child in the way it should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. But a reason, the reason why a lot of people are departing from the faith because their training was not complete. Their training was not right. And God wants to retrain some of us because spiritually, we haven't had the training. We're trying to, we think going into leadership and doing all those things are the right things, but we need the training. If you don't go through a training process, you cannot come into all that God has. Even in the natural, so in the spiritual. And for some of us, God is causing us to go through retraining. Re-education. Training means education. It means learning. It means going through practical demonstrations, coming out of it, speaking to the person who was teaching you, confirming that you've learned. We don't like to do all that, do we? We just like to, I've been through it, I've done it, that's it. But go back to your, your teacher and say, you know what, this is what I've learned. This is the process of how I've done it. I know you're all going through that process of, of being here, eh? But we really need to do from our heart, not just as a, uh, some kind of protocol that we've been told to do. But we need to do it from our heart. And God wants to challenge us today that we do things from our heart. Not just a paper exercise. Yeah, I've done stage one and stage two and stage three. I'm ready to go on and be whatever. But God wants to know it's true. It's coming from your heart. Because as God is beginning to build us, he's beginning to build a house where he wants to dwell. And it's going to be a house. This house is going to be a house that's going to carry the power of God. So he's careful to build in a certain way with each and every one of us. Because it's not going to be a rush job. I, I, you know, I used to think, you know, God, you're just going to click your fingers and, you know, the church is just going to explode and people are going to be working miracles and all these things are going to be happening. But God takes us through a, a process and he likes to check that you've learned he does. When he, was, when he was working on Daniel, he liked to check that Daniel would learn what he was supposed to learn. So he gives him certain scenarios. He says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to go in this fiery furnace. I'm not going to speak to you. I'm not going to say, thus says the Lord. I'm not going to say anything. But I'm going to allow you to go through this situation. And I want to see if what I've put in you really works. And for some of us, the next level is God isn't going to speak to us for a while. He's going to hear that his voice is, you're going to be praying and calling on God and asking, Pastor, is this what the Lord is saying to me? And he's, not, he's going to be silent because he wants to know that you can take the test and come out successful because he wants to know what he's put in you. God is more concerned what he's putting into you than what you can actually do. And so he puts Daniel through this process and he's like marching up takes him and the king allows him to be bound and he takes him up to this fiery furnace and then 
you know, on the way. Some of the guards are getting burnt out and so forth. Pushes him into the fiery furnace of affliction. And for some of us, God is going to push us into the fiery furnace of affliction because it's the process that is going to burn off all the, the rubbish and all the junk that is going on in our lives. God has a way of getting, getting, all, getting all that stuff off, off us. And he puts us in a place of fiery affliction to try and burn off all the, the things that no one else can burn off. You know, some people, you can speak to some people until you're blue in the face. They still won't change. They still won't change. But they've got to go through a process with God to get to that next level. I don't know why I'm speaking to you like this. You know, I'm just going down to the boat. <laughs> I wanted to say, preach all these other things. But I think God is, is bringing us to a place where we are truly his. Truly his. And we mean it from our heart. We mean it from our heart. And so God began to burn off all the junk and all the rubbish. And there's some things that God wants to burn off our lives. You know, sometimes we say we're Christians, but we can lie, can't we? We're, we like to twist the truth. We, call, we don't call it lying in, Christ, in church, do we? We're just economical with the truth. You know, Galatians talks about it quite clearly. The things that are of the spirit and the things that are of the flesh, doesn't it? I'd like to look at this. Can we turn to Galatians? I'm just Galatians 5 verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The two are contrary to each other so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, evident. rather. They are adultery, fornication, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, and heresy. Envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the likes, which I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, verse 22, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Crucifixion isn't a modern term, but it's a term that is put in Scripture for a reason because we can see a graphical image of what it means. Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Crucifixion was a pretty gruesome death. And it's not something that you can complete yourself. Uh, I heard one preacher say, you can nail your feet to the cross, you probably could nail your hand, one of your hands to the cross, but the other hand's always going to be waving around. Someone else has got to do it. God will use another system, another person to allow full crucifixion to happen in your life. He says, those that are Christ have crucified the flesh. What is the flesh? It gives category to it. Sometimes we say the flesh, but we, don't, we have no category for it. Let's have a quick look at them. Here it goes, it says, <coughs> let's have a look. The flesh, it's, it speaks of this. Idolatry, it says uh, adultery. 
Let's go through that one first. What is adultery? When you're married and you have a relationship with someone else. That doesn't always have to be sexual. But it can be mental. You can have a relationship with something else or someone else that's causing you to commit adultery. Now, when you're talking about worshipping and you're doing that, do you think that's gonna you think you're gonna have a sweet smelling savor up to God? So really you have to deal with that, don't you? But we don't like to do that. We like to spiritualize it, Lord, just forgive me and pray it out, worship it out, and so forth. But God in this season wants to really put the his finger on the things that are stopping the flow of the spirit. Because if we don't flow in the spirit, we're not going to see the power of God released as it should be. So, adultery. Then he goes on to say, all right, those who are married, let's look at the single people. Fornication. That's a big one in the church today, in the 21st century. Am I going in too hard? That's how I go in at my church. Fornication. What is fornication? Someone who is single and having relationships with another person that is married or not married. Now today, where we see all the programs on TV, and that's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to the image. Images are so powerful. The media is putting out images so strong that we think it's okay. And we even, we even, do, we even support the things that is coming out of the media that is, is, is against scripture, don't we? I always mention the one that, because I saw it on a, I've never watched the program, I don't think, but I've seen it on t- Geordie Shaw. Everybody ever heard of that? Some of you young people. I like to mention these programs. Some of you adults can look out for it if you've never seen it. And there, as far as what I can see, that's all it's all about. Just drinking and sex and who slept with who and how many times they've done it. I know some of you are like, oh! <gasps> It's what goes on. You know what? We need to be wise as a church and know what is out there, what we're facing. Because a lot of young people are coming to Christ and these things need to be burnt off them. And some of us, we haven't even got a clue that it's on them or it's been in them or whatever. But we need to know what we're dealing with. Yeah? And so, <coughs> fornication. And this, this thing happens in a bit. It's being advertised. It's in the media. We hear it in the mu- music. Yeah? Some of the, the music that they sing, they're prophesying and singing over our young people, telling them to, this is the way of life, this is the right thing to do, this is how life is. But the scripture is clearly against it. Fornication. Oh dear. I, I, when I do this in my church, like at the end of this, like, <gasps> terrified. But until we, sometimes we have to spell it out. Because if we don't, what we're doing in the house of God, we're always going to come to this crescendo. You know, so, so many churches you can go to and they, they worship and it comes to a crescendo and that's it. Nothing supernatural begins to break out. No healings break out. No miracles break out. Nobody's lives are being transformed. And they're wondering why. Probably God didn't want us to want it to happen or whatever. But it's because there's a lot of stuff that is happening behind the scene. That's why it can't break out. A lot of idol worship is happening behind the scene. A lot of jealousy, a lot of fornication is happening behind the scene. And that's why the presence of God can't break out. They're trying to carry an ark. And all we're doing is carrying a physical box with a few things in it. But there's no presence of God there. 
But God wants that to change. God wants that to change in Manchester. God wants that to change in your life. Some of you have been crying out for the supernatural presence of God. But some of the things that we're observing and getting involved in is stopping the presence of God flowing. You've got to be real with it. We don't like to say it like that. Well, I'm brave enough because I'm going home after this. <laughs> but that's why the Bible says, even in communion, it says, let a man examine himself. That's what the communion is there for. So you can examine yourself before you take the bread and the wine. And so, we go through the, um, <coughs> I'm going to be finished in a bit, don't worry. Um, all right, fornication, uncleanness and lewdness. I'll, I'll, I'll group them together so we know what it is. Uncleanness and lewdness. Don't like to, you know when you're flicking through the internet and you see these images, it's, they're unclean, some of them, not saying all of them. And lewdness, it's like when, when people, you know, it's like, how do I put it now? When certain people, the way they dress, it almost gives off an unclean image. And some, some of them, the way they want to dress is because it's part of lewdness that is going on. I'm not saying, you, you know, it's polo necks and long sleeve gowns and, and all that kind of thing. No, no. Be relevant to your society, you know, where you are, where we are in the 21st century. But there should be a standard as a Christian. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is the part where everybody gets off on me now. There should be a standard as Christians that we should carry. I mean, I, I, I like, you know, Mr. Trendy, me. But there's a, you know, there, there are standards that we must have. Um, and sometimes it, you, when we talk about this, we think we're just preaching at the women. But even some of them as guys need to carry a standard. It's both sexes, not just the one. Even our conversation can be lewd. I mean, I'm quite, you know, <laughs> you hear me at work. I try to keep the same standard when I'm at church as well as I'm at work as well. And it's very important that we do that. Because everything should flow from the same spirit the same stream, the same river. But for some people, it doesn't. It's like there's a different person on Monday than there were on Sunday. And if he's, that is happening, we really need to address it because some of these issues are happening and we're not addressing it. And so lewdness. I've got to go for another what, what, few, just one or two more. Jealousy and outbursts. Ooh. Jealousy. Some of us very jealous we, we don't put we don't use that type of word anymore jealousy it's very it's not very 21st century but put it like this if somebody else has got something you know you know some people they go to some each other's houses and and so-and-so's got a nice new cooker or a nice new fridge just had it done out and suddenly there's something that rises up in your heart and you're like oh i could get my kitchen done as well you know i, I saw you know my sister-in-law she just had her kitchen repainted and Something kind of rose up in me. I was like, oh, I'm going to get my kitchen painted as well. She can do it. She's, you know, I can do it too. And we don't like to term it as jealousy, but sometimes it is. We say we want to upgrade and update. and Someone's just encouraged us. But it's, it's coming from a wrong spirit. Jealous. You don't want to see anybody better, going on better than you are. Progressing more than you are. And sometimes even in church. We're competing. Oh. Their church has done this. 
I think we can do it too. We don't want to stick to the mandate of God, what God has called us to do, but we want to do it because someone else is doing it. And anytime, that's why you've got to get a real vision for your life and a real vision of what God is saying for you. Because if you don't, you're just going to copy everybody and every wind of doctrine that comes around and you're going to think, well, you know, someone else has done that program. Why can't we implement it? But we need to know what God is saying about us. Else you can enter into this field of jealousy. It's even some people with the, the, way, the way they dress. They're always copying somebody else. Just because someone else has got a new pair of shoes, you want a new pair of shoes. Someone else has got a new type, or someone else has got a new hairstyle. I mean, my, <laughs> my wife went through this period of period as well. Every time she'd have a hairstyle, this other woman would have the same one as well. So she dyed it blonde, and they dyed it blonde, and she was going furious. I was like, calm down, darling. It's not about you. It's about how that other person sees you. And they have to deal with that issue, not you. No use you, you breaking a law and start to go, go in outburst of wrath and carrying on. And, what have you got to say, make it style as me? And that's, what, and that's what can happen. So that's why we need to have a real vision for who we are, what God is saying to us. What is God saying to, we, to you? What is God speaking to you in the context of the house? See, we have to put what God is saying. You know, when you say to people what God is saying to you, they think it's a license to do whatever they want. But it must be in the contextual point of everybody else. Just like a normal house. My, my little daughter, she, she said, you know, I want to do this and do that. It must be in context with her parents. And she could end up somewhere else in another country. Going to sing with one of her idols or whatever they are. And so we must put things in a contextual point when we say, what is God saying to you? What is your part in the house of God? As Solomon began to build, and God said, Get all, assemble all the elders, it was in the context to what was going on of how God was building. I believe God is putting things into context for us in this season. Some of us, we've been going off and thinking we can build our own ministry or do our own thing. But God wants to say, what God is saying to us now, I want you to put things into context in the house. What part do you play? Have you been laying the foundations? Are you, are you the, the, fur, the part of the furnishing? Are you a window? Are you a door? What part are you playing? And if not, why not? Because you can, always, you can always go back to Galatians. You can always find there's a problem there in Galatians. When people cannot build together. There's always something. You're always an issue, isn't there? Some jealousy. Some inferiority complex because they're doing something they know they shouldn't do. And so they project it onto other people. There's always something. But God wants to deal with that something. Because he wants true worshippers in this season. The house of God is going to become a house where we're going to see the power of God begin to move. I really believe that in this city, God is going to use this house. He's going to bring people in. He's going to raise people up that are going to be so influential, so powerful, that are going to extend the kingdom of God. There are gifts that are on this church that are ready to be freed and to be loosed, but it must be in context with the house. There are some people that I can see even here today that have the power to work miracles, have the power to, to release healing, that have the power to open up the heavens. But God will not release it until it be, it's in context. But thank God that he's bringing us into an order. 
There's an order that is coming into the house that I say. People are beginning to learn there is an order. And as God begins, we allow God to teach us this thing, we're going to see the power of God has has moved never before. I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. I'm telling you, this isn't going to be a, a thing that's going to be drawn out. I remember God said, today and tomorrow, prepare the people for I'm going to visit them. I'm going to come amongst them. It's not going to be a long, drawn-out thing. Some of us are, are planning 215, 216, 217. No, 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 no. Sometimes God, when God says now, it means now. Now means now. You see, we, we cannot measure God by our time frame, our 24-hour clock. When God says now, it's now. It overrides 24 hours. It's now. And you're like, how can it be now? Because I'm not ready. When God says now, he shifts everything around your time frame. And it's now. You walk into work tomorrow and suddenly you were at one position and now you're at another position because God is orchestrating things. When God began to take um, uh, Isaac up, uh, Abraham to Isaac up, he was working something out around the mountain. Some things God is working out around us. He's moving. Sometimes you can't see him moving on us, but he's moving around us. And God is moving around this church. When God began to open up the heavens, when, when Jacob, you said Jacob was wandering and wandering, but God had already pre, uh, uh, pre-designed it, that there would be angels on the earth. That when the, that ladder came up, the Bible says angels ascended. In other words, God had sent an assigned angel, sent assigned beings that would make a way that when that ladder came up, they would ascend and descend and things were being translated, um, transported from earth to heaven. And that's why I know that this ground is fertile for God because God has been checking you out. God has been seeing and, and measuring you and saying, oh, have they got it? Are they worthy? Can they contain this type of power? And I believe God has been measuring this house and it's found out that, yes, yes, they're ready. They're ready for the next level. They're ready for a supernatural invasion. They're ready for me to release power upon them. The Bible says, you shall have, when the Holy Ghost comes up, you shall receive power. Power. The world is looking for a church that has power. The world is looking for you and I who have power. Amen. Amen. Stand to your feet. I just want to pray. Hallelujah. I want us to just lift our hands and just begin to pray in the spirit because you might not feel it happening in you, but it's happening around you. There's certain things that are happening around us. That's releasing power today. God wants to minister to some parts of our lives and remove some things off us now. Come on, begin to pray, begin to pray. That that outburst of wrath, God wants to remove it from your life. He wants to highlight it so it can be moved. That contentiousness that you have, God wants to remove it from your life. That jealousy, God wants to remove it. Because he wants to bring you into a new level of worship, a new level of, of knowing him. 